Join me in prayer as we get started. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word, as we learn this story about Zacchaeus, we learn about a man, Lord, that just was sold out for you, Lord, that was going to do whatever it took to seek you out, Lord, that you had already called him, and he had just, he was going to do whatever it took to come before you, Lord. Let us learn from this story, Lord. Let us just look at this story word by word and verse by verse, Lord, and learn how we can be like Zacchaeus. But also, as we see this story, as we see you and your reaction to Zacchaeus, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that we would also learn from you. We would see your reaction to him. We would see your calling. We would see your blessings, Lord. So, Lord, as we get ready to dig into your word, Lord, we just ask for your blessings and your Holy Spirit just to be upon this place, Lord. As Vicki and Jocelyn are teaching the children, Lord, I just ask that you would bless their time also, Lord. That these children would just be... They would just glean from this, Lord, that they would be blessed by this, and they would just come to understand a little bit more about you and what it is to be a Christian, Lord. So, Lord, as we sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, Lord. We just welcome you as we get into your word, Lord. Let these pages, Lord, just of your word just speak to us, Lord. Lord, we praise you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week... Interesting, right? We saw the disciples arguing. Remember? They were arguing about which seat or which throne one another would get. As we sing that song, right? We sing that left, right? Remember today we sing that song? Well, the, last week the disciples were arguing which seat they were going to get, the left seat or the right seat. Remember that? So they were arguing, and then the other apostles, they heard about their argument, and then they're like, they start arguing among each other, and then Jesus had to clear this up, right? Jesus had to explain to them the truths of what they were wishing for. We learned an important lesson last week. Jesus asked the question, are you willing to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? Or, and, are you willing to be baptized with a baptism of suffering? It's a pretty uh, intense question, right? We talked about that last week. And Jesus used a lesson. Uh, let's, let's just turn to Mark real quick. We're going to look at one verse in Mark as, before we get going. Open your Bibles up. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. This was our lesson last week. We learned through this text and through this story that all of us need to be servant leaders. Then we continued to learn another story as we went through God's word. We learned about and saw how that blind man was healed. And we saw how bold this man's faith was. Remember, he was so bold. He was crying out to Jesus, trying to find Jesus. And everyone in the crowd's like, shut up, shut up, right? And he kept getting louder and louder because his faith, he knew it was Jesus who could heal him. Now, we looked at another real important lesson last week. Remember the question I asked you? Why do we do the things that we do? What is our motives behind everything we do? If we are, whatever we do in life, there's a reason why we usually do it. So I hope that everyone was able to examine themselves this week and look at their lives and say, why do I do these things that I do? 
Remember, we saw the lesson. The lesson was, whatever we do, we know we need to do that for God, but also we need to be servant leaders. We need to be doing it to serve others. Now, today's story is kind of fun. The story of Zacchaeus. Everyone's heard the Zacchaeus story, the wee little man, right? We could all sing this song from children's ministry. But we're going to look at this story today in a little more mature context. Let's put it that way. And as we look at this story of Zacchaeus, I want you to really use your imagination today. I want each of us to remember that this story of Zacchaeus is not just a story. This is, it is a story, but this is a real life event that took place, right? It's not an imaginary story or imaginary people. This is a firsthand account of a story that took place. Now, this story is recorded here by Apostle Luke. And we know Luke was a doctor, so he, he included a lot of details sometimes that others didn't. Um, this story is just, it's really unique. Now, maybe the reason he includes more details, you think about Luke, you know, Luke, why he includes more details, maybe because he was educated, because he was a doctor. Or as you start looking at these different stories, you also know that, you know, Luke wasn't there for this story. This is secondhand account, right? Luke was very young at this point. He didn't come around for much later. But it's very likely Luke went back when he was writing, and it's very commonly accepted. He talked to people. He interviewed people. He spoke to them, right? That's how he came up with all this. He wasn't there. So he talked to Paul. He talked to the apostles, right? It's very likely he, he actually went back and or maybe Zacchaeus found him. We're not sure how that really worked. But it's very possible this story, he very possibly talked to Zacchaeus. And that's how he wrote this story. We don't know for sure, but this is very likely why this story is in Luke. I don't know. So today, I want you to be an actor. Like a movie actor, right? Can we do that? It's a fun story today. I want you to put yourself in this story. And I want you to fulfill all the different roles of the different people inside of this story. So as we get into this, I want you to imagine yourself to be one of the crowd, right? Imagine you're just standing there in the crowd watching this take place. I want you then to change roles, and I want you to be maybe one of the apostles. Imagine you're standing in this story as we go through this, and you're one of the apostles. Then imagine you're Zacchaeus. Imagine you're Jesus. Or imagine you're one of the people that we're going to see that are mocking Jesus for what he's done. So as we go through this story, I really want you to use your imagination. I want you to act like this is a movie script playing out. And I want you to put yourself in this story. I want you to just, at times as we're talking, don't close your eyes too long because I don't want you to fall asleep. But take a minute and just really imagine this story. Because it's a true story. And this is probably a first account, first-hand account by Zacchaeus told to Luke and then to us. So as you... Imagine the world around you. I want you to also think about think about what the people are feeling. Think about what they're experiencing. Think about these different people and these different roles. Think of the hopes that they might have had. Think of what they were looking forward to. I just want you to completely immerse yourself inside of this story. So today, we're going to be in Luke, chapter 19. We're going to look at 1 through 10. Everybody get their Bibles? Luke, chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Jesus is continuing his journey towards Jerusalem. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. It's it's Passover time. This is the last days, probably one or two days before Jesus will have his triumphant entry. 
It's only, right now, Jericho is only 15 miles outside of Jerusalem. So they're very close. This has been a long journey. Now, there's so many people right now getting ready to attend this festival. So when you see this in you know, this first verse, it just says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Look at that text, made his way. You imagine how many people were there? How many people would have been heading to Passover? Put yourself in your story and imagine this. This had been extremely crowded at the time. Now, as you're walking, thousands of people heading to Jerusalem. Now, I mean, it would have been so crowded, it would have been difficult even to get through the people, right? It would have been that many people. But it's not just all the people. Imagine the excitement that would have been there. People would have been so excited to attend the festival. People had traveled from all over, from many different distant places to attend this. But also, not only was there an excitement about attending the festival, there was another excitement going on, wasn't there? There was a lot of talk going on right now. The talk was about Jesus. There was a lot of people. They've all heard. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard the stories. They've heard the teachings. I've been saying this for weeks. But now, this is coming, narrowing in. The people heading to the Passover were very excited because they had hoped that Jesus would claim his place as the Messiah. They believed that Jesus would have done this at the Passover. Now, why was that? Why do you think it's the Passover? What is the Passover celebrating? Anybody remember? It's the Jewish people's freedom from slavery from Egypt. So they believed this... When they were freed from the Romans, from the Messiah, they believed it would take place at the same time. So they're kind of halfway correct. So let's continue. Just remember the excitement. Put yourself in that story. Imagine all the thousands and thousands of people, all the chatter, all the talk, all the emotions, all the excitement. Remember that. Let's look at verse 2. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. We learn about a man in this verse, the man named Zacchaeus, the tax collector for the area. Now, this isn't the first tax collector we've studied, right, or learned about. We know about one others, right? Who was the other tax collector we know so well? Matthew. Matthew was also a tax collector. But if you look at that text, Zacchaeus wasn't a regular tax collector, was he? He was the boss. He was the chief tax collector. And he was a chief tax collector in the area of Jericho, which the area of Jericho is probably one of the richest areas around. So then it continues and it talks about he was rich. So he was the boss tax collector in one of the most prominent areas. So you imagine this guy? Now remember, a tax collector at this time. These were Jewish men. Now, these were Jewish men that had gone to work for Rome. They had gone and worked for Rome to collect taxes from the Jewish people. They would take that tax money Give it to the Romans. Nobody liked these guys. Would you, I mean, who would like these guys? These men were hated, hated by the Jewish people. I mean, they were hated even more so than they hated the Romans because they were considered traitors to their own people. Now, these were Jews. These were men that really people felt they had sold out to the Romans. They were sellouts. They sold out their who they were so they could make money. Now, they did this at the expense of their fellow brothers... And sisters, their fellow man, their fellow Jews. Now Zacchaeus, remember, he wasn't any regular tax collector. He was the chief. He was the boss. So he wasn't just considered a traitor to the Jewish people. He was the chief traitor. He was head of all the traitors. So this guy, everybody hated this guy. Everybody loved to hate this guy. Maybe you know people like that, I don't know, in your own culture. I'm sure every culture has somebody. Think of a name, maybe. I want you to think about that. Who's someone that everyone hates? I know it's ugly to think about it, but there's some truth in it. Every culture seems to have somebody, some group of people. 
whether it be right or wrong. Now, it's also known and very commonly accepted in that culture that the way that this man became very rich wasn't just because he was a tax collector. It gave him the ability to cheat his fellow Jewish brothers. And that's how he really made the money. Because, say the Romans asked for this much, well, he'd ask for this much, and he'd take that money and put it in his pocket. So he's ripping off his own people. Not only working for the enemy, but on top of it, ripping off his own people. He'd collect more money from them that was required by the Romans. This is so how he could profit. This is how all the tax collectors became rich, stealing from their own people. So now we've learned a lot about this man, right? We've learned he's just not a very good guy, right? Everyone hates him. Justifiably, probably so. So let's see. Let's continue here. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Verse 3. He tried to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Put yourself in this story. Remember I asked you earlier? Imagine you're Zacchaeus, really short. You're trying to find Jesus, right? You can't see? Jumping up and down, jumping up and down. Can you put yourself in that story? How frustrating that would be being short? Maybe some of you can really relate. Imagine that. Put yourself in the story. Let, let this story, as we, as we read them scriptures, as we read them passages, let it unfold in your mind. Visualize it inside of your mind. It would have been quite funny to see this, right? This short little wee man trying to get through the crowd, trying to see. Let me see, let me see. It would have been quite funny. And think about it. This was a rich tax collector man, a very rich man. So how would he have been dressed? Surely he would have been dressed very well. Very well. Jumping up and down, trying to see. Now, I think, you think about it, in this crowd, I think people knew who he was. I mean, he was the chief tax collector. Everybody know, knew who this guy was. Nobody liked him. And you think if he was trying to get through that crowd, being a short little man, trying to get through to see Jesus, you imagine what a few people might have done as he kind of gone through, like a little, think about, he's about this tall to me. I'd be like, <clears throat> give him a little elbow. I'm sure a few elbows would have been snuck in there because I'm sure lots of people would have liked to have done that for him. I'm sure if he tried really hard to get through that crowd, he would have faced probably a few elbows, a few, few knocking down, I don't know. Obviously, he kind of knew that maybe because he didn't get through, but you can see he's a smart man, right? Do you see what he did? So he, he comes up with a plan. He knew he couldn't get through the crowd. So he comes up with a plan. He runs ahead of the people and he climbs a tree. Can you put yourself in that story? Now think about this. This running and climbing of trees is really very undignified for a man of Zacchaeus' wealth and power. Can you imagine seeing this? I mean, this short little man, just really, really good, running, climbing a tree. I mean, in that culture, it surely wasn't appropriate. It's probably not very appropriate in this culture, and it sure would seem pretty odd if you've seen this happening. But he was so excited to meet Jesus. Now, what would cause a man this wealthy, rich man, to act like this, to really act like a child running and climbing trees. This man was going to do whatever it took so he could see Jesus. He's really, it's like a childlike faith, isn't it? Do you see that? Running around, climbing trees in a suit. Think about this. I'm sure, I mean, they didn't have suits like we have today, but just to give you an idea, think about it. This guy had the nicest three-piece suit on. Probably had some really expensive shoes. I'm sure he flaunted his money because who he was. 
Just imagine seeing this guy climbing up a tree. It'd be very strange. What had the chief chief tax collector, the traitor of the Jewish people, what did he heard or what did he came to believe that would cause this crazy behavior? What did Zacchaeus hope to get by seeing Jesus? Now think about it. I ask you guys all to be like an actor today, right? I want you to be Zacchaeus right now. I want you to put yourself in his expensive shoes. You imagine who he was. You imagine what he had done. Do you think he was okay with it, really? Do you think he might have had some guilt inside of him? He was a traitor to his own people. He was a sellout to his own people. It's true he'd become very wealthy and rich for that. But do you really think he was okay with that? No. I think he had an amazing, huge burden inside of him, knowing who he was and what he had become to his own people. I think at this point, Zacchaeus believed that Jesus was the answer to this. That he believed somehow Jesus could free him of this bondage of shame and guilt that was in his life. It's very possible. Think about this. We talked about it earlier. Who was that other tax collector? Matthew. We don't know. The Bible does not say. But I I don't find it unlikely, being this was the chief of the tax collectors for this area, I don't find it unlikely that he wouldn't have heard the story about Matthew, another tax collector. I mean, this was the worst of the worst in the society. This is way worse than a prostitute. This is, I mean, there was nothing worse than these tax collectors in the Jewish people's minds. Yet, he'd heard the story about Matthew and how Jesus had loved him. And he saw Matthew and he knew there were stories being told, even a tax collector. Now, this is a lesson for us. I, I, I believe, I believe... Somehow he possibly heard that story, or he thought about it, because I think he knew, very possibly, could have known Matthew. But maybe not. Either way, we need to share our testimonies. Because, you know, a lot of you meet and see other Christians, and all you see is them today, right? If you met Matthew, then all you saw was a guy that was following Jesus, right? If you met me now, all you see a guy up here that's preaching, right? Maybe I see some of you, I just, oh, look at this, they're sitting here, and they're in church. What you don't know a lot is what we came from. What God had freed us from. What God has delivered us from. And sometimes we think maybe, my story is too much. You don't know how down and far out I I am. We need to share our testimony. So others can hear that there's hope in Jesus. They can also be saved no matter what they've done. Now, I don't know. I, I, I think that Zacchaeus is there. He's hopeful. He's feeling, he's got some hope inside of him. Some hope that Jesus... He can find some redemption through Jesus. He obviously was seeking him out. I, he sought him out in this childlike fashion. Um, I, I think that Zacchaeus had a general, a general, a genuine spiritual interest in Jesus. I believe that he really thought Jesus could free him from the life that he had been living. That's why he did this. This is why he ran and climbed a tree and acted foolish. Because he truly, truly believed that Jesus had answers for him. So let's see what's going to happen. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come quick, quick, come down. I should say, I must be a guest in your home today. Verse 6. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down the, climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Now, remember the context. Remember, there's thousands and thousands of people around, right? People are everywhere. There's all this commotion going on. There's all this talk going on. And Jesus notices this short, well-dressed, rich man sitting up in a tree. 
and all of this stuff going on. As Jesus walked by, he saw this man. But look, as we go through the story, look at that text. You see Jesus called Zacchaeus out by name. Now, I don't believe they've ever met before this. I don't think Jesus and Zacchaeus had ever met. But Jesus called him out and sought him out by name. Jesus knew this man's name with never being introduced. But Jesus knows so much more about him, didn't he? He knew why he was up in that tree. He knew why he had ran and climbed that tree. He wasn't surprised when he walked by and saw Zacchaeus up in that tree. He was expecting to see him. Jesus knew this man's heart without Zacchaeus ever saying a word to him. Jesus had stopped in the middle of thousands of people to call out, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus knew Zacchaeus was searching. Jesus had already called Zacchaeus, hadn't he, before this. There's something that had already spoken to Zacchaeus' heart. Something that had already called him to come to a faith and a repentance in Jesus Christ. That's what caused him to run, to seek out Jesus in the first place. There was a calling. Jesus had already called him before this. This is who Jesus is. He's a call. He's one that seeks out the lost. He's a lover of the lost souls. Jesus already knew Zacchaeus' answer. He already knew what he was going to do. He knew that Zacchaeus was going to respond to him in faith. Now, many of us have been just like Zacchaeus, haven't we? We've done things like this man that we're not proud of. Anyone ever done anything you're not proud of? I know I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. Even this week, possibly. Even before I came to Christ, after. I knew I had such a... Before I came to know Jesus, I had such a burden. The things that I had done, I thought were unforgivable. I couldn't forgive myself, much less someone else forgive me. I imagine Zacchaeus felt that same way. He knew who he was. He knew the things that he had done. He knew that he was a sinner. But then, just like my own testimony, I heard of Jesus. Zacchaeus heard of Jesus. He heard that Jesus says, just as I, we hear that Jesus offers forgiveness. He offers love. He offers redemption. We've heard this. We've heard that calling before, just like Zacchaeus. But we hear these things and we wonder, is it true? Because Zacchaeus, he responded, right? He ran up the tree. But I think at this point, he's still wondering. He's searching. He's looking. Is it true? Is this what Jesus can offer me? Freedom from the bondage of my sin. A new life. He was responding to that call. And Jesus had been calling him, just like he called each one of us, long before we answered the call. This is what caused him to do this. Maybe some of you are sitting here today. I know at some point Jesus called me and I walked into a church. That's where I first met with Jesus. I knew there were some kind of answers in Jesus, and I needed to go to a church, and that's... I didn't, I hadn't accepted Jesus yet, but Jesus was calling me and I answered. So I showed up to church one day, said, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't understand Christianity. I don't know what this religion is, but my life needs to change. I can no longer live the life that I am living. I can no longer live with the guilt and the shame from the things I had done. This was Zacchaeus standing up in that tree looking down, hoping Jesus was the answer, hoping there was freedom from that guilt and that shame of who he was. Jesus is always calling the lost to come to him. I finally came to that point where I showed up that day like Zacchaeus. I was a broken man, sitting there looking for Jesus, wondering, Jesus, are you my answer to the hopelessness I'm experiencing in this life? Just like Zacchaeus. Maybe there's some of you sitting here in church, just like Zacchaeus, wondering, is Jesus the answer for me? Is he the solution for the hopelessness that I experience each day? Is he the answer for where I will spend eternity? Can he forgive a man like me? 
Jesus will respond to you if you will seek him as Zacchaeus did. He responded to me. Look back at the verses. Do you see that Zacchaeus was asked three things from Jesus? Look back at them verses. Do you see the three things he was asked from Jesus? First thing Jesus asked, come, come down to the tree, come to me. But the second thing, it's kind of the second and first, I put it as a second. He didn't just say come, did he? It was like come now, come quickly. I think this is the second thing. Because it wasn't come next week to Jesus. It was come now and come quickly. I think that's an important part because, you know, that offer was there right then, right now. This is the opening for you to come. But come now, come quickly. But then there's a third thing. Do you see it? What's the third thing Jesus asked from Zacchaeus? Jesus insists to come into his house as a guest, to be welcomed into his life. Did you notice that Jesus invited himself to be his guest? It was Jesus who invited himself. It wasn't Zacchaeus who invited him to the, to become into his home. This is a picture of the invitation that Jesus gives all of us. If we are to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we only need to accept the invitation he has given us. We just need to accept his invitation to come into our lives. He's the one calling us. He's the one asking us. It only requires our response. That's it. We just got to say yes. The invitation is there for any of us. Just as it's there for Zacchaeus. All he had to do was come down and say yes. Please come. Now, you can see that all of us were to come quickly to Jesus. And then we're to invite Jesus just like Zacchaeus. But how did Zacchaeus do it? Look at the scripture. How did Jesus, how did Zacchaeus do it? With excitement, with joy. This is what Jesus asked for us. To welcome Jesus into our hearts with excitement, with joy. This is how we respond to Jesus in faith. We respond in faith with excitement, with joy. Because we will have a new life in him. Look at verse 7. But, but, there's always the but, isn't there? But. The people were displeased. He has gone to be with the the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Are you ever like this? Do you ever grumble? You ever grumble? You ever see something? I can't believe they're doing that. You ever done that? Judging others for the work that they're doing for God? Oh, that's not the way you do it. You can't do it that way. You got to do it this way and blah, 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 blah. You ever done that? Grumble? Think about this. Think about this story that we're reading as we're walking through this. Think about this story taking place today. How would you see Zacchaeus today? Think about the most notorious sinner you know. The worst of the worst. The biggest dirtbag you know. Think of it. I mean, this this person is rotten, rotten, filthy sinner. Right? Who's the Zacchaeus of your day? What would your reaction be if you saw me eating lunch with that person? What would you think? Oh, what's pastor doing with that guy? I mean, you can't be hanging out with that guy. He's like the worst sinner I've ever seen in my life. What would your reaction be? Jesus was hanging out with the most notorious sinner of the day, eating lunch in his house, and the people were grumbling. What would you think? Imagine this happening today. I want to give a quote from a commentary that I read. One of them said it this way. The people thought Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, but actually... He was only a bankrupt sinner who needed to receive God's gift of eternal life, the most expensive gift in the world. What did these people see when they saw Zacchaeus? You know what they saw? Do you know what these people in this story saw when they saw Zacchaeus? They they saw a notorious sinner that they hated. 
They despised. Who did Zacchaeus believe he was? He believed he was a notorious sinner that he hated himself. Right? Who did Jesus see when he saw Zacchaeus? What did Jesus see when he saw Zacchaeus in that tree? You know what he saw? He saw a notorious sinner too. One that he loved. Jesus loved Zacchaeus just as he loves each one of us. Just as he loves everyone here today. Think about that. Who are you in this story? What lesson, looking at this, would Jesus have you take from this story? How do you view sinners, no matter what they've done? The worst of the worst. Do you view, view them as these people? How do they view themselves? How do you view yourself? How does Jesus view you? How does Jesus view the sinner? This lesson will be learned here in this story. Now, as you look at the text, it's interesting. We really don't know what happened inside the house. It doesn't say. It doesn't say what they ate. It doesn't talk about the conversation. It doesn't say if the disciples went in or they stayed outside. It doesn't say anything. Interesting. I'm sure Jesus and Zacchaeus had a deep conversation about what it was to follow him. Because he got saved. We know that. But it doesn't say. Now, this, the story kind of picks up here in verse 8. Basically, is everyone kind of goes outside. And I kind of studied up on this a little bit. It's just interesting. You know Jesus is invited to the dinner. But then it kind of jumps ahead. So obviously, they've had dinner now. Zacchaeus and Jesus have had some conversations. And then it picks up the story in verse 8. Verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated the people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Wow. Why did Zacchaeus do this? I'm going to tell you, he was already saved at this point. His, he was saved by his faith in Jesus. Why does he come up and say he's going to give half of his wealth away and pay back anyone he's ripped off? He's already placed his faith in Jesus. He's already obeyed Jesus' request to come, to follow him. Why did he do this? Did Jesus ask him to do this? Did Jesus say, give all your stuff away? I don't think so. That was not a requirement. Was, is it a requirement to be a follower? Was this a requirement to be a follower of Jesus? This is an example we see of true repentance. This was an outward, physical change in Zacchaeus' life that's shown in his actions. He was a changed man. That very moment, he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he was repentant of, of his sins. This outward action that we see is not what saved him. It was faith in Jesus that saved him. But this is proof that he was a changed man, a new man, who had given his life to Jesus. We've been talking about this a lot lately, haven't we? I don't know why, just what's come up. But it's true, if a person has truly come to faith in Jesus Christ, there will be repentance and there will be outward signs in their life. And this was Zacchaeus' outward sign. He was going to make right what he had done wrong. Not because his salvation was on it, because it was the right thing to do and he was follower of Jesus. Now, there's another question. If you look at verse 9, there's a question there. You may ask, what is a son of Abraham? And what is a true son of Abraham? Do you see that in there? Verse 9? It says, salvation is... Let's look at verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For a man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man has came to... Well, stop there. Do you see that? What is a son of Abraham? And what is a true son of Abraham? Jesus is making a very important point here. Many people in Jesus' day believed because of their heritage, because of being Jewish, that they were saved. 
just because of who they were born into. They said, I'm a son of Abraham, and I'm saved. But Jesus is clear here. That alone, your heritage, will not save you. The same is true today. Some of you may say, I've grown up all my life in a Christian church. That will not save you. Some of you may say, I was baptized when I was three years old. That will not save you. Some of you may say, all my whole family is Christian and been Christian since four generations ago. That will not save you. These people thought they were saved because of who they were. Who you are will not save you. The only thing that will save you is your own personal relationship, your own personal faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is making this clear. To be a true son of Abraham, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ yourself. It's not your parents' faith or your family's faith. It is your faith between you and Jesus. So Jesus is clear here. He's using this story of Zacchaeus to show us and the Jewish people of the day what a true son of Abraham is and what a true Christian today looks like for each one of us. We see Jesus had sought out Zacchaeus. Then we see Zacchaeus respond by running and climbing a tree, trying to find out more about this Jesus, seeking Jesus out, wanting to know more. Who is this Jesus? What can he do for me? And then we see the moment where they met eye to eye. Jesus looking up at the tree, at this funny man up in the tree. This was the time. This was the time that was required from Zacchaeus to answer that call. Jesus asked Zacchaeus, come quickly, and then invited himself into Zacchaeus' life. And we see through the text that Zacchaeus accepted that invitation sincerely. And he came quickly, and he accepted Jesus into his home and into his life. But then you see there, the text, it doesn't stop there, did it? We see a changed life, a changed man Zacchaeus had become. We see that through how he repented, and we see his life now is full of repentance, We know in Paul's writing, he tells us that it wasn't the physical descendants of Abraham that would inherit the kingdom of God, but the spiritual descendants. Now, I think there's maybe some here that need to answer that call. Maybe some of you have not came quickly when Jesus called you. Don't miss that chance. When Jesus is looking at you, calling you, come. Don't let Jesus walk by. Don't miss that opportunity to meet with Jesus, to invite him into your life. That call doesn't come all the time. Zacchaeus responded, looking towards Jesus. Then Jesus called him. But now it's required a response from us to Jesus. In faith, don't let these opportunities, do not let that pass you by. Because many of us, I know I was just like Zacchaeus. I had done so many things in my life. And I was searching. But at some point, you need to stop searching. Because the answer is in Jesus. And you need to respond in faith to him. Let's finish up with verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Zacchaeus was not saved because he promised to do these good works that we see. He was saved because he responded in faith to Jesus' calling. He trusted Jesus. And then we see evidence of his faith by his works in his life afterwards. As we close up, as the worship team wants to head up, I asked you earlier to place yourself in this story. As you place yourself in this story, just think back. Just look over the verses and just, who could you relate most to in this story? Think about it. Who could you relate most to? Who were you in this story? We also see in examples, two, two different examples for us to follow. We see the example that Zacchaeus gave us, right? We also see, of course, the example that Jesus gave us. So there's two great examples 
I want you to look back, though. Look at them, the scriptures. I want you to think of the examples that you can take out of that text this week and apply to your lives now. Because I guarantee there's a lesson inside of this story of Zacchaeus that we can all use in our lives today. I want you to look at, look at a few verses as we look at, look at verse 4. What can we learn there? You see a lesson we can learn in verse 4 from Zacchaeus? Do you see the effort that Zacchaeus went to find Jesus? That would have been embarrassing for a man of his stature to do what he did. He was going to do whatever it took, did not care what anyone else thought, to meet with Jesus. That's a great example for us. Maybe some of you, I mean, some simplest things. Maybe praying at a meal in a public restaurant. It sounds simple, right? It makes a statement. Look at another verse. Look at verse 6. What lesson can you learn there? Zacchaeus' response to Jesus. He responded quickly and with the correct heart. Look at verse 8. We see Zacchaeus was a changed man. We know Zacchaeus was a changed man because of his actions. There was change in this man's life. And everyone else could be... This was a testimony to everyone that saw Zacchaeus of who Jesus was. When they saw this, they, this is the most notorious sinner that is ripping every single person off we know. A traitor of his fellow man. And here he is giving back what he has stolen. People saw this and asked questions. They wondered what had changed in this man's life. What could have got a hold of this man who was despised? It would act like this now. It's a great lesson. It's a testimony. We all have testimonies. Our testimony should be of a changed life, not one who's accepted Christ and then still living the same life. Look at verse 10. Jesus' example. What is our purpose? Who are we as Christians? Do we follow this example of Jesus who came to seek and save those who are lost? People wonder sometimes, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? There it is. With inside of that question I asked you earlier, how do you view the Zacchaeuses in your world around you today? Do you view them as these notorious sinners and grumble about them? Or do you view them as Jesus views them? As they are, sinners, but with a love and a heart and a passion to share the gospel message with them that they no longer have to live with that guilt and shame that's inside of them. How do you see the lost? How do you see these people that are doing things that are just despisable? How do you see them? Do you see them with the same heart that Jesus saw Zacchaeus in that tree? Or do you see them a different way? Look at verse 10 again. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we will come along Jesus in this work that he is doing. Please join me in prayer as the worship team is going to close us with a song or two, as they, as they, whatever they're, however they're led. Heavenly Father, as we learn this story of Zacchaeus, Lord, this man, I couldn't imagine the guilt and the shame. I couldn't imagine what he thought about as he laid in bed at night of the things that he had done. A traitor to his own people. He had stolen from his own people. He had done horrific things, Lord, like many of us. He was a hopeless man, Lord, that you called upon, that you called him to you. And then he responded to you, Lord, let us be like Zacchaeus. Let us respond to you and come and follow you. Let us invite you to come into our lives and our hearts, Lord. Let us follow this example in all areas of our lives, Lord. Let us have a testimony like Zacchaeus, that we are changed people, Lord. And that change came through our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, that we're no longer that same person, but we're a different man, a different person, Lord. One full of hope, one full of love. Lord, let us follow your work, Lord, to seek the lost, to search for lost souls, Lord, and love, love our fellow man, Lord. Just to take them, to guide them, 
towards a loving relationship with you, Lord. Lord, let us go out this week, Lord, and just see the people through your eyes. But Lord, maybe there's some here today, Lord, that don't know you, that you're calling right now, just as you called Zacchaeus, just as you called me years ago, Lord, that we saw and we knew there's something different here. There's some kind of love. There's some kind of forgiveness. There's some kind of hope. There's something different in these Christians. There's something different in you, Jesus. So Lord, if there's anyone here today, let this be the day that they would just commit their lives to you. They'd be like Zacchaeus and they would step forward and follow Jesus, Lord. And they'd invite you into their lives, Lord. That they would publicly confess, like Zacchaeus did, that he is now a follower of you. And Lord, change their lives forever. Change them forever, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for this day, Lord. Be with us this week, Lord. Through your power of your Holy Spirit, just let us come alongside of you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.